Welcome to The Positivity Effect, where paying it forward and doing something positive in someone's life can provide them with the confidence and motivation to do the same for someone else. Like a stone dropped into a lake, let's create a ripple effect of positivity throughout our world. And it begins with your host, Dr. Thomas Retcher. Hey, Dr. Tom here, and welcome back. You're listening to The Positivity Effect, and this is episode number nine. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. But before we dive into the call, guys, if you love what you're hearing, please check out PositivityEffect.com. You can catch all the episodes, the show notes, as well as subscribe to the newsletter. And I'd love for you guys to write to me and share a story of something that you're inspired about and you know something that you're grateful for in your life. Because I'm going to pick one listener's inspiring story every week to share on the Sunday Fireside Chat. So write to me. Let me know what you think about the show, and I'd, I'd just love to hear from you guys and get to know you. In addition, you can find the show on iTunes. Uh, just hit that subscribe button, you know, search Positivity Effect, and you'll never miss a positive message. So I am super excited about this week's show. We have on Luis Congdon. He's going to take you guys on a journey of raw human emotion. Throughout Luis's life, he explored many religions, but he really dove deeply into Buddhism. His life journey through that, it led him to realize that he individually needed more than what Buddhism could provide, and that was human connection. Luis's journey, it's an incredible story of hardship, of transformation, and of gratitude. He has a podcast called Lasting Love with his girlfriend, Kamala. In addition, they launched an online business resource called Thriving Launch, that helps business owners map out clear and practical tips to literally make their businesses thrive. In this interview, we go over so much, but I want you guys to pay particularly close attention to Luis's insights about human connection and also when he breaks down the word desire. It's very powerful. So it's time. Let's dive into another episode of The Positivity Effect. Hey, Luis, what's up, man? Hey, great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Man, there's just so much to talk about with you right now. Like, you know, we were we were chatting in, in the pre-chat and, and you just have so much going on. And you're like just a really centered person, you know? I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, I think I, I could probably go without even you telling me, I would probably say that meditation is like a big part of your life. Definitely was. I actually lived in a yogic ashram for nearly two years and before that stayed with a Buddhist monk for a little while. Really? What was that like? <laughs> uh, you know, traveled abroad uh, over to the Czech Republic and for a little while it was literally like 15 days. Um, but it was it was really cool. I mean, it was an interesting experience to go from kind of romanticizing Buddhism to staying with a you know, full-on pretty high-level monk. Uh, you know, who wrote a book, How to Forward by the Dalai Lama and personally knows him. Uh, and, and this guy is, you know, running a retreat center in, in the Czech Republic, but that's just one project that he's up to. I mean, the guy travels all over the world. And, um, you know, I really romanticized Buddhism uh, after studying Christianity and seeing some kind of things that I thought were kind of erroneous. Uh, to realizing that every single religion, uh, political system, just anything when you throw in humans, 
it's going to have a human element to it. Of course, uh, so, yeah. So it was really humbling, and it was also really wonderful. It it humbled me, and it allowed me to go, wait, like, you know, Buddhism is just as beautiful, and Christianity is just as beautiful, or Islam is just as beautiful as all other religions. Uh, and so that was a cool experience. Um, but I felt like there was something missing when I went from that place, uh, when I stayed with the Buddhist monk. And so I was still kind of on a spiritual quest, and I came back to the United States and actually found a group of yogis uh, and ended up moving in to an ashram uh, and making a yogic lifestyle uh, a part of who I was. So, you know, I took certain certain vows, you know, like being a vegetarian, spending a majority of my time in what's called Sangha, which is your spiritual community, waking up early in the morning around 5.30 and meditating every day at 6 a.m., um, you know, taking uh, 12 o'clock breaks to do short meditations, um, you know, doing yoga in the evenings. Uh, I took on a variety of vows and did that for about two years. But there was always something missing for me. And I think that was just human connection. Yeah. Um, and, and also the vow of poverty never really worked too well for me, um, even though I see great beauty in it. And I, you know, I can still see there's a lot of value. Like if all of us decided to live a more simple life, uh, maybe there would be more abundance shared among, you know, rich and poor or the have and the have-nots. Um, but, you know, that's something that you can never completely resolve. I mean, uh, you, you know, people, I believe that, you know, some of us are just kind of destined to live certain lives. I don't know. Um, but for me, it just didn't work uh, to to not have things and to not have certain types of human relationships like romantic relationships uh, so I ended up leaving the ashram, and I ended up getting a job uh, in the psychology field, uh, learning about relationships and studying marriages and married couples and parents, and really loved that, um, you know. And so, just kind of, it's almost like the story of Siddhartha trying to become, you know, a monk, and then he wants to go back into the world uh, and try to understand the world, and and that's been my journey. Was was the romantic you know having a romantic relationship was that the missing piece for you it it really was you know because i've had numerous really high level spiritual experiences uh through meditation through prayer i've had some of the most glorious and wonderful experiences of feeling a sense of connection to everything and love for everyone and everything uh just some of the highest levels of of bliss but you know, just kind of inherent in life is there's also suffering. Uh, and there's also a desire to share that happiness and to share that suffering with someone uh, because happiness is magnified when we share it with others, right? And it's also um, decreased when we have someone else to share it with. I mean, this is, I think this is a huge reason why research shows that, you know, men who are single don't live as long as men who are, relation, are in a relationship and men who are married live longer and men who are married and have two children tend on average to live the longest and that and for me that really speaks to we need human connection human connection is pivotal and essential to longevity happiness health uh the drive you know like why are you waking up this morning so i can pray like that just somehow wasn't quite enough you know or why are you waking up today so you can go to work you know that's there's something missing in in all those pieces uh, and when I fell in love, I realized, wait, like this is the missing piece. And, um, you know, my spiritual life doesn't have to be separate from this. You know, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. And uh, that was something also that I had to kind of work through is like, you know, is, is sexuality, is desire, is intimacy, is that wrong? Is that a bad thing? Or can right. it also be part of my spiritual life? 
and you know now now finding is it Kamala 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 um you know did that become the highest thing like you know like you were talking about spirituality you're talking about the relationship you know where just kind of the driving force behind everything that you do mm. You know, I tend to kind of go through phases where something, you know, it, it changes. I mean, for, for a long time, spirituality and the idea that I could help end human suffering was my biggest and ultimate drive in life. And that started around the age of 15 years old. Uh, and now without knowing some of my own history, um, you know, for you, the listener, maybe it doesn't completely make sense. But just to give you a little background is I was actually born in Medellin, Colombia, in 1983, this is the height of the cocaine cartel. There's a popular show right now on Netflix called Narcos, which is all about Pablo Escobar. And I was born during this time period when this third world country found this drug, cocaine, that could be massively produced, exported to places like the primarily the United States, exported in very large quantities, and it could bring billions of dollars to a, a, an impoverished country. And, you know, when people are impoverished, they're going to figure out ways to make money. Cocaine right. brought lots of it, but along with it, it brought a rampage of violence. It brought a rampage of disparity between wealthy and poor. Uh, a certain level of madness was created in the country, too, which, you know, Colombia still hasn't fully recovered from that history um, or from uh, cocaine itself. I mean, it's, it's still a drug that is, you know, sold in large quantities from the country. And, and so... My mother was actually a drug addict when I was born, uh, and, and then she was murdered when I was five years old, uh, and I was homeless for several years, never met my dad, uh, and then I was adopted when I was eight years old. So around the age of 15 years old or so, when I was starting to kind of experience this desire of wanting to date and, and have a relationship, I started to kind of introspect and go, okay, wait, like, you know, my mom died when I was young and maybe a failed relationship is to blame. Maybe the way that humans treat each other is to blame, right? And then I was adopted to the U.S. and uh, about four years after being adopted, my adopted parents ended up getting divorced. So my mind really got convinced that human relationships are responsible for a lot of suffering. Um, they, While they can be really wonderful, if we really want to devote ourselves to creating happiness, um, and even a sense of utopia on the planet, it's not really going to happen unless I'm committed to something higher than human relationships, which I felt was something spiritual. Uh, and, and so I didn't really want to be in an intimate relationship. I didn't want to have a girlfriend. Like there was a part of me that naturally, like you're a teenage boy, wants that, right? And there's another part of me that felt like this is confusing. Right. Uh, I don't know if this is a good thing. Uh, and so I really started devoting myself to this idea of I'm going to become a monk. And, and I ended up chasing that until I was about 24 years old. Wow. And so, so like thinking of, of the question, like, is it kind of now uh, this relationship, you know, is it one in the same that with the highest order of your spirituality or, you know, they kind of go, they, they, it's not the highest thing. It's not just the thing that you look at and it's, it's the only thing, you know, the relationship isn't the only thing, but they kind of complement each other. You know, I think in an ideal world, you know, in the, in the ideal state of being as a human being, everything to me is considered the highest order. Every single moment uh, is given that sort of attention and that sense of respect. I mean, we, 
you know, as soon as we breathe in, that's the last time we will breathe at that moment. And when we breathe out, that's the last time. Like every single breath that we're taking is, is precious. It's the present moment. And that moment uh, evaporates as soon as you have it. And in an ideal state, my gratitude for life is just in the breath and and, and everything that I'm doing, right? I mean, that's that's my most ideal. And sometimes I'm fortunate enough to feel that way. Um, more often than not, I'm, I'm not really completely in touch with that, despite how much I've practiced it. It's a, it's a, it can be challenging, you know. We right. we have minds that are constantly chasing after goals, and our minds are really our minds are created for survival. So we have a mindset that is constantly trying to look at potential conflict, potential future goals, and avoid conflict and achieve those future goals. Um, but you know, honestly, like you know, last month I, I had a close to a ten month, ten thousand dollar month. First time I've ever had that in my life, and just a couple years ago, uh, I was homeless again. You know, um, and it, and it's very hard if you've been homeless as a child not to go back to that space. It's it's just the, it it it, it kind of goes into your cells, uh, and there's a certain shame that is really hard to shake. Um, and then the fact that I tried to become a monk for nearly 10 years and, and, and tried a variety of ways to, you know, take on vows of poverty. It was a very um, entrenched system for me to think that I didn't deserve and I ended up homeless. Um, so, but we have, you know, now I've achieved this goal where in one month I've, you know, made close to a third of what I'm used to making or a fourth of what I'm used to making uh, working in the nonprofit world. And yet my mind, you know, the next month goes, how can I double that? You know, and, and it's right. taken me time to go, okay, how can I just like feel grateful for the fact that this month is almost over and I've made that, I've made a little bit more money this month than I did last month. It's not double, but how can I feel grateful for that? But how can I just also just feel grateful for the fact that I'm here right now? Have you felt, you know, because you do some incredible work, Luis. You know, like, thank you. You help so many people with j- just just starting out with the podcast. You know, where you guys go on and you're talking about things relationship wise. You know, relationships are so important in our lives. And and then we touch on you know the, your podcast exchange where you're helping so many people existing that have podcasts and even like myself that are starting to connect with each other. And it's and it's, there's so many free resources and and now paid resources. Have you found just through those connections, you know, that you've been making that from from the, the the feedback that you get from people that it allows you to say it's okay, yes, I I am grateful for this money that I'm making. You know, it's it's taken me a long time to become okay with accepting payments from people. Um you know, I I think that at some level I still wish that um Every everything that we have didn't have to be worked for. <laughs> just like just like an exchange, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, but somehow that, that exchange didn't even feel like you had to exchange. I mean, you know Just giving. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Dr. Wayne Dyer says is, you know, like be like God. Uh and and that is God gives regardless, you know. Uh the poet Hafiz uh in one of his poems says, Does the sun ever say to the flowers you owe me? You know, imagine what a love like that can do for the world. Oh, and, yeah. and I, you know, I still have that desire. So 
the whole money thing has been a hard, hard thing for me to learn about um, and, and become okay with saying, okay, this is how much I charge an hour and doing things and saying, hey, that was a one-time thing or, you know, hey, this is something I normally charge for. I'm going to give you this service right now, but I want you to know that it's not a repeat thing or getting messages from people asking me, you know, questions repeatedly, um, you know, and I get this a lot. I mean, you run a Facebook group with 600 people and on average around 30 to 50 requests for people to join the group. And I don't open it up very often where I let floods of people in. I'm actually, you know, every month I'm letting in handfuls of people in or I'm only letting in customers, people who buy the program. Uh, and so, you know, right now I'm not selling like boatloads of my program. So, you know, in a month I might let 10 new customers in and maybe 10 to 15 non-customers in or less of non-customers and I'm vetting those people. So I get a lot of messages because I've grown a group that is very popular and it can be kind of hard to get into. Um, and, and it's hard for me. I mean, I'm still working through how much do I give before I say, hey, this is no longer like, you know, a fair exchange or, you know, I've been teaching and now, you know, let's switch over to would you like to become a client? Uh, and, and I hear people's stories, you know, because of the fact that I, I openly share that I've been homeless and that I work for a nonprofit and that I come from a third world country, people are very open with me about sharing their own struggles. You know, yesterday a client calls me and starts crying and says, hey, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't continue, you know, being a client of yours right now because I'm just, I'm actually hemorrhaging money and going into negatives. Um, you know, and, and this, I, I hear stuff like that from people. And so what do I do, I spend over an hour on a phone call with her that, you know, she didn't pay for. And then yeah. I just say, Hey, let's meet up in a couple of weeks and check in to see how you're doing on the homework that I've given you. Uh, and don't worry, I'm not going to charge you. And then she starts crying again and goes, Oh my God, you're like so generous with your time. You know, everyone else is charging and I know that they want to help, but you're like the only person that just says, okay, we're, we're going to continue anyways. Um, you know, and, and finding that balance, though, because I've done that for, for a lot of people and I've gotten places where no income was coming in. And as much as I wish that everyone else reciprocated the way that I might, it's just not the way the world works. So learning how to take care of yourself as an entrepreneur is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you feel now like now that you're it's starting to kind of become more of a monetized thing that as you kind of sit back and you reflect on it, like you'll have, I'm not asking you for a number, but like you'll, you'll kind of say, okay, this is what I'm comfortable with in life. And that that's like kind of like, or are you going to try to, you know, is it the thought that we really have to continually scale things up that we're doing in terms of monetizing it or scaling it up in terms of how many people we're trying to reach? Mm, that's a great question. And I think there's a, you know, a figure I would be comfortable. I'd be happy if every single month I could just, comfortably count on $10,000 like take home coming in for me that would be awesome um having having done that I know it feels good um but I want to know what it's what it's like to have way more I mean if, if you gave me you know thirty fifty thousand dollars in one month uh you know what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to go okay here's some nonprofits I really like here's some clients that I'm going to do you know 50 percent off here's some giveaways I'm going to do inside the Facebook group Here's some events that I'm going to put on and charge for, you know, yeah, and, you know, and those things, you know, those things take money. That's what I was going to say, you know, Luis, like just talking to you for these few minutes, like I know that you're the kind of person that, you know, you said you just had that $10,000 month and like 
if tomorrow you had a hundred thousand dollar month, <laughs> like the things that you would do, you know, for this world and how you would pay it forward from, you know, just talking about the story that we we chatted about before we got on the uh, the interview about, um, because you have a really strong history in non for profit, and you know, right now the the way that you're talking to me, you're on this laptop and this mic that was money that you raised, you know, they gave this, they gave it to you. Uh, they paid it, And now you're paying it forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just so powerful. Yeah. For the listener, you know, I want to tell you that I, I went to a nonprofit uh, when I was very low income. I was actually sleeping on my friend's couch and sometimes actually slept in my car or in, at a park uh, because my friend's couch wasn't always available. And I was actually too, embarrassed to tell my friends or or community that I didn't have a place to stay or that I was just so down and out I couldn't even uh, go and get a hotel or I couldn't really afford much for gas. Um, And so uh, I applied to a nonprofit that had an eight-week business course. I I got in, you know, and you get like two, three hundred applicants, but they can only accept like 25 or 50, you know, per quarter. Uh, So just that alone tells you how many people are wanting this kind of thing. Uh, but they, they just they can't take everybody. Uh, and so I applied. I got in. I took the eight-week course. During those eight weeks, I'd also you know go to the business class, and then I'd go for tutoring every Thursday for about an hour where other business owners would come in and tutor me. And then after that, I took an advanced course, and it cost like maybe 40, 50 bucks. Uh, and with that advanced course came the opportunity for me to apply for a scholarship that essentially said you raise $2,000 We'll give you four thousand up to four thousand dollars to match, um, and so essentially you'll have six thousand dollars. But the catch is that anything that you buy from the money that you raise and that you put into this account and that we match, you know, as soon as you put a dollar in there, it turns into three. But for you to spend those three dollars, you actually have to write us uh, why you're going to spend that money, what it's for, uh, and how it relates to business. And here are some of the things that you can't spend it for, like example, rent, uh, you know, phone bill unless it's a business phone, and that kind of thing. Uh, and I ended up raising the full two thousand dollars, so I had six thousand dollars, and I bought a microphone. I bought a very like the nicest. I went into uh, the Apple store and said, "Give me the nicest laptop you have." And uh, it was a refurbished twenty five hundred dollar laptop, normally like over three thousand dollars. Like I only say that to the price because it's for me it was way out of my world. To consider that I'd ever have such a nice laptop, um, but I felt that I was going to have an online business and it was going to be important. And here I am, primarily running an online business that is, you know, the content is created through podcasting, the community is built through Facebook, and the advertising is also happening through a website. So it's all primarily through online. This nonprofit essentially paid for what is it, two thirds of my business. Uh, and and I called them recently and said, hey, I want to help you guys next year. My goal is to see if I can help you guys fundraise enough money to put a hundred people through the same program that I went through. Wow. When you when you came back to them with that, what what did they say? You know, they got really excited. I mean, I I wrote them and I said, hey guys, I want to let you know that you know since I've taken your course, this is my tenth month in the online business. It was over ten months ago that I took the course and my business changed. So my business model originally was relationships and working one-on-one with couples, which shifted just kind of serendipitously to podcasting and working online and helping business owners. Because, you know, if you have success in one arena, 
people start asking you questions and you can actually build a business, a separate business from that. And so that's kind of what happened for me. So I wrote this company, this nonprofit, and I said, hey guys, I want to let you know that last month I had my first $10,000 month. Before that, you know, I've made three, five, seven thousand dollars $7,000. This is a really big month. We've also reinvested 11000 into a global competition. Companies are sending me equipment. Heil Pro uh, has sent me several microphones. Another company has sent me some mics. Uh, other companies have given me uh, free software and programs to try out and different things. That's uh, awesome. Sponsors. And so I wrote this nonprofit and I told them, I just said, I want to share with you the success and I want to thank you guys just profusely how thankful I am and how much hope your organization gave me because entrepreneurship is not easy and we need support. And you guys gave me that at a time when I was just so destitute and I needed something to latch onto just for dear life so I could just somehow have something to call mine, you know, and have ownership. Because uh, if, if you're ever poor, you, you'll understand that having ownership of something is like you know, that's the thing that can help you get through, right? Resiliency is being able to own something and call it yours and being able to have will in the world and have relationships that support that. And that organization really helped me tremendously. They were really excited and they said, we want you to come and be at a speaker. So speaker at some of our fundraisers, uh, you know, maybe a keynote speaker at some of our fundraisers. Uh, and then I, I came back and I said, I don't want to just be a speaker. Like, I want to help you guys fundraise money beyond that. Maybe I can create like a website where, you know, I'll drive traffic to it from the podcast and people that I interview because I'm interviewing entrepreneurs all the time. Like I, I want to go to the big entrepreneurs that I've interviewed and say, Hey guys, this is my story. And I'm asking you to at least donate a hundred dollars. Can you do it? Uh, you know, and, and I think I could help raise some extra money for them. Um, and then I also said, let's, let me see if I can bring you guys some media and some PR. Like, uh, you know, I know how to get a hold of news stations. How about I bring some news stations to our event and get some publications? And, and they got even more excited. They're like, man, you, this is incredible, you know, and, and your success. You know, there's not a lot of people that have success in the entrepreneurial world. It's just most people, their first five years, they're not going to do well. And most people give up within their first five years. Right. And, you know, just hearing all of your stories, like especially the nonprofit, the, now what you're doing and how you give back and how you pay it forward, your awareness level is just so high in that, in that realm of, you know, of gratitude and, and transparency and you know was this something for you in life that this this awareness that you have uh, was it a real a very 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 long process uh, you know would you say that you wouldn't have this awareness if you didn't have uh, the, the difficult experiences that you went through uh, growing up you know or do you, do you feel it was just something that you were born with you know for somebody that's listening that maybe they're in a really dark spot right now and they they're trying to say how can i be more positive you know mm. i think i don't think it was something that i was born with i think it was really you know difficulties are can be gifts um and then, and it's hard sometimes to take those things as gifts um I wrote, I, I read once an article about some people in third world countries using like cow poop or goat poop to build huts, right? So they use the dung of the animals to build huts. 
I've read of articles in, in certain countries where they use uh, the poop to uh, for, for fire, and they make fires and, and they use it as fuel. Wow. And, and I'm using that as an analogy or metaphor for, for us as human beings that all of us at some point are going to come across something that looks and smells like poop but has the potential to be used as a way to create a home, so a shelter from hard times, and it has the potential of being fuel that will create a fire. Uh, you know, Earlier in this interview, I've shared two things that are really significant for me that have become my home and my fire, my fuel. And one of those first experiences was the loss of my mother at five. Uh, and she didn't just like die because of age. She died because someone actually like pointed a gun and shot her. Um, and, and that experience being five years old and then living three years homeless and then being adopted was not an easy thing for me to handle when I got older. Um, you know, I, when I was first adopted, I'd wake up and I'd have nightmares and I'd wake up in sweats and yelling. And, you know, my, my mom, mom and dad, my adopted parents would come in and wake me up sometimes and say, Hey, you're, you're having a nightmare. Uh, you know, and I can still feel how much like that just puts me in touch with the level of sadness that can come from that. Mm. And then my mom, you know, God bless her, said to me, you know, Luis, maybe there's another way of looking at your mother's death that can make it a gift. You know, maybe there are things that happen to us in life that are chosen and that are, are things that are part of our destiny so that they can mold us. And I really want to task with that. You know, this isn't something that happens overnight where you just go, oh, yeah, great. You know, it, it, it took me a long time. I mean, I, when I was 18 years old, I actually went back to Colombia and met my biological father who I'd never met and left when I was born. You know, I have a brother and sister who are older than me, and he, he left all of us, you know, and I went and met him uh, and spent three months living in his home. Uh, and I relearned Spanish like it, it wasn't an easy journey to get to this place that I'm speaking from. But essentially, what, what, what happened with my mom's story is I started thinking about it. And let's just, let's, let's take a leap of faith here. And let's just imagine that this mother, she's 25 years old, growing up in one of the most arduous and difficult times in a third world country where women are not appreciated and people in general are not appreciated, especially a mother with three kids. How hard life would be for her. And then let's imagine that this woman wants to give the best possible life to her child. And in that, in that desire, uh, you know, from her spirit maybe, she decides the best way that I can give this life to this little child and be the best mother possible is I can leave the planet and I can become like a, guiding, a, a guidance for him. I can become an angel. Uh, and and then so so then her being shot is more like a an act of kindness. I mean it, it's it's a very different way of looking at of, of life, and I understand that. But then what happens to her as my mother? Do I resent her, or do I love her and go, wow, only a mother's love could ever sacrifice themselves for for a child, you know? Right. And and then now she becomes a grace to me, you know. And and so ever since I I started looking at it that way. I actually started having conversations with her as if she was there. I mean, this is how I had to get through some of the teenage years of, oh, what the hell do I do? I'm in a country that's not really my birthplace. I'm, I'm teens. These people have adopted me. I've only been here for like, you know, four or five years, and I'm like a teenager. Like, it's very confusing. Um, and so I started having conversations with her and imagining what that love would be like shifted things dramatically. 
you know, and now let's fast forward to one other experience of I leave the best job on the planet. It's a contract position, so I can't ever get it back. It's PhD level work. I don't even have a master's, so I can't touch that job uh, in, in most scenarios. Like I, I tried and I just no place would hire me despite the fact that I had experience. I just the credentials weren't there. And, and you know, to be a, a, a therapist or a counselor, you have to have the credentials most times like it was a very special scenario where i got to do that without the credentials so i leave that job i'm broke i end up sleeping on my friend's couch i have some nights where i have to sleep in my car and it's december it's the coldest i mean the coldest time uh you know the coldest months in the northwest are you know december january february like very cold months and that time was really really hard now let's just fast forward to where i'm at now what drives Luis to wake up and work so hard and give so much to people and also what drives him to figure out this money thing and, and, and figure that out and figure out how to charge and how to run a business and how to be in a successful relationship and how to help people where well, we can go back to the seed where it's you know, my mom and we can go back to a couple of years ago sleeping in my car and for the life of me, I will never return there and I know why I won't ever go back there. So those are now blessings. Um, and, and, and if you're going through a hard time and you're struggling, I want you to know that like, um, you know, Hafiz, the poet, has a really beautiful line. He says, imagine what beautiful flowers are made with manure. So something is being fertilized, even if you're going through a hard time, that is actually creating the, the, the fuel or the fertilizer necessary to sprout a flower or to create fire in a third world country and create fuel. So something is happening for you that's actually very special. These are diamonds being created right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Luis, that's so powerful, man. And, you know, everybody listening, I'm sure, can attest, and, and myself, like, you deserve anything. And it's not even about the praise, I know that, but just for me to say that, like, you really deserve anything that comes to you, you know, in whether it's spiritually or uh, you know monetarily or, or praise, you know, because what you're doing now and how you know how many people that maybe have a similar story to you that just use that as as you know they 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 dive more into the despair of the situation, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you were able to um, reflect on it and and realize that you're going to give back to the world. It's just That's the goal. So powerful. That's the goal. So what has been, um, you know, you've shared so many gratifying experiences. What has been one of the most for you? Uh, now, now that a year into this online community, uh, you're making money with it. What has been one of the most gratifying experiences helping somebody through it? You know, my, my girlfriend has actually really taught me one of the, the best things that I've really, you know, and I'm still learning about it. And there's this thing about our culture and, and just the way we live, especially as a, a Western culture, right, is that we do this alone, you know. So we watch movies and there's usually the leading star and we watch hero movies and there's the one hero that just breaks through and does it on their own. And, and we, we hear these success stories of these business people and they say, I did it, you know, and it's, uh, you know, this kind of image of one person on top of a mountain with a flag, right? And it's just a single person. And my girlfriend has really had to kind of shake me silly and say, like, Luis, you don't have to do this by yourself. Like, 
your podcast isn't getting launched uh, because you think that you need to create this website by yourself, let me jump in and let me take take this on and let me guide you through the process and let me really handle it and yeah um you know and and through that process i mean little things like you know when we first started dating i'd go to the kitchen i'd grab some food i'd come back and i'd be eating something and i didn't bring her anything and she'd go like why are you going to the kitchen not asking me if i want something or <laughs> when you make food why do you assume that i might not want some of it or why can't you just make extra for me you know and and those are little ways that I've shifted that have really allowed me to become more inclusive in my process uh, you know and building this Facebook community I, I go in there and I give a lot and, I, and it's me giving a lot and I've become better at now reaching out to other members and it's still something honestly that I'm working on uh, you know and reaching out to people and saying hey you know could you do this for the group um, you know and people ask me how can I give value and I'm like oh just you just being is enough I'm excited about that right and um, I'm learning a lot more how to, you know, say, hey, this is what I need or, hey, this is what the community needs. Uh, and becoming community orientated is probably the biggest space that I'm learning to grow in. Uh, you know, monkhood is really based on you and your relationship to God or to spirit or to source or to meditation, whatever it might be for you, right? It's, it's between you and Allah or whatever you want to call that source is between you and that, um, you know, and being homeless as a kid and coming into another country is about me kind of you know figuring things out even though I had the support of so many people I somehow created the story you know as a child that it's like it's me doing this you know and then society supports that and if you're an entrepreneur especially please stop that right now um, my business has only been scalable because my girlfriend said let me like show you how to plug in stuff to a website let me show you how to like get a URL that ranks let me talk about SEO and then you know her working with me and her saying Luis you're so good at that can you do more of that for our business and me going oh yeah I am good at that right <laughs> so we we need we need that otherwise I just go ah, I'm not very good look at that guy he's he's making like 700,000 a month I'm not very good but it's like <laughs> that that's that's not fair right so having those supports in our world are are really essential in being inclusive. So if you're trying to do something by yourself and it's not working, reach out to people and you'll be amazed at what's available to you. You know, I, I want to link this to something you said earlier in the interview because you said for someone listening, just you have to just reach out. But sometimes, like I think, as it even maybe not even talking about uh, you know business or entrepreneurship, um, when someone's struggling with something or they're trying to get through something like. We have you said that we have as humans like we have this difficulty accepting things you know accepting help from people. Why do you think that is the case? Like that, and it's kind of a very um, universal theme. I think a lot of us feel sometimes. You know, I, th I as as human beings, we're kind of there's there's just the way that we're indoctrinated into the planet, and and this is something that's just uh, you know really for me comes from my like spiritual training is that. We come into this world, and, and when we're first, our first experience of the world is we are completely safe and everything is provided for, right? We're in, we're in a womb, and we're safe. And then we're born, and then when eventually we start learning, if I want something, I have to cry, I have to demand it, I have to fight for it. People are going to say no to me. Like, 
that's just universal. It doesn't matter what culture, what religion, what age. It, it just doesn't matter. It's unavoidable that when you're a baby, at some point, you're going to have to fight for things and you're going to be told no for things and you're going to grow up. And that's the way you're going to be kind of consistently educated is that you need to work for things and, and you deserve things only if you work for them or only if you somehow earn it, right? And some people have a very different idea of earning, right? Like right. me, I think it's okay that I get paid $300 an hour. Like that's that's nuts. That used to be insane to me. Years ago, five years ago, if you said, Luis, at some point you're going to tell people it's $300 an hour for them to sit down and get an hour of concentrated of your time on their business. This isn't, I mean, I've given tons of time away to earn this value and I've gone through all sorts of, you know, training and all that stuff but i know people like you know practically half my age that are like yeah of course i deserve that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? well you and even I'm said like, like <laughs> in your own mind too like it was like a process where you had to be like okay this this is really the you know the, the this is the value i'm giving and this is the reciprocal end of it yeah so i think that's that's a big part of it um we recently had don miguel ruiz author of the four agreements uh, former Oprah, he's been on Oprah a bunch of times, and he, you know, I asked him. I, the first question I asked is, you know, what is love? And and he likes talking about this subject. And he says, well, love is really how we feel about ourselves and how we relate to ourselves. Um, and and that was kind of his short answer. Uh, and and he said, you know, we we judge ourselves, we constantly put ourselves down, we have ideas of the world, but they're just ideas, and we forget that. So. This is just an idea that you're imposing on the world that is kind of meaningless um, until you add your own meaning to it. Uh, and, 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 and so how do we get over that? And his response and my response are very similar. It's like you have to learn how to feel like it's okay for you to have what you want. Um, you know, and, and I love this breakdown. The word desire actually comes from two words, two Latin words, de, which means of, and sire, which means the father. And so for me... And in my own process of reconstructing the world, desire had to become okay, like desire for money, desire for an intimate relationship, desire for a nice home. Those things I had to reconstruct, right? Uh, because my indoctrination was that this, that this is not okay and you don't deserve that and the world is going to prove that to me multiple times. Uh, and But yet my desire for these things felt really incredible. I mean, the very first time that I fell in love, it was one of the most magical feelings and a sense that I actually belonged on the planet Earth with other people, and I didn't have to create this quiet connection with a being that I could never see and I could never fully touch and embrace to, wow, I can break down and cry, and my partner will hold me, and she'll understand me, and I can be really happy, and she'll support me and motivate me and inspire me, and all the whole spectrum of feelings in between can become shared and it's not something that I have to be like you know I have to be perfect I'm going to become a monk like that was my journey personally into monkhood is like trying to find perfection and my evolution was as I oh wait like I don't have to become perfect this is awesome so free <laughs> so so yeah. free yeah yeah exactly and you know just hearing you recant about your relationship like how much more has that made you a spiritual person too hmm hmm I'm still learning. I mean, it's it's a really big learning process. It's a learning being, process, yeah. Being being in a relationship, um, you know, in an in an ideal essence for me, anyways, is everything becomes spiritual. Every single thing, uh, because everything is created by spirit. I mean, uh, 
you know, Einstein says everything is energy, right? And ultimately human beings are energy. And at some point humans, according to Einstein theory, is at some point humans would evolve in their evolution where they would not need bodies and we'd essentially just be ener energetic beings, right? That's, that might be a little out there for people, but I mean, in, in, the, in the Bible, they, they talk about it. In almost every sense of religion, they talk about this thing of like energy or beings that you can't see and other elements and all of that. But without getting too deep into that, in an ideal world, everything becomes cause for celebration or everything wow. becomes cause to sink deeply enough into feeling and, 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 and even feeling like I have sadness over people hurting each other. But when I sink deeply enough into that, I usually what happens is there's a space that I fall into, which is even a sense of loving that, um, which is kind of an odd experience. But if you've ever really like, you know, you're just hurt by somebody and you get to talk to them and you tell them how much you're, you're hurt and then they listen to you and they're just like, yeah, I hear you and I understand. And next thing you know, maybe you're crying or you're hugging each other or you're and what ends up happening is once you fall into a feeling deep enough, what usually ends up happening is you kind of fall through that and you actually come into a space of relaxation, a sense of love. You in therapy sessions, this happens, right? As a couple will come in just tense and and next thing we know, they're kind of laughing. They're like, God, what a silly little problem. Like we were arguing <laughs> about who paid the rent and I've been furious at you for six months about this thing that we just repeat. It's like you leave now, the towels on the floor every day. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and, and then next thing you know, they're laughing. The laughter is just a natural process of feeling that emotion so clearly without any kind of judgment or block and, and in a space of understanding, uh, which is love. Just having space for something is love to me. Um, you know, love is acceptance, right? So just a space. Um, and that to me is ideally we get to a place where everything becomes that way because my 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 idea of the world isn't what everyone else thinks of so just my idea is that i will never resolve world poverty this my goal isn't to solve it for everybody my goal is maybe i'll find a homeless person and take them out to eat or i'll make a donation and 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 do my part in helping but i don't know if i alone will ever do it we can all kind of strive towards it and so you know, I mean, if there's anything that we've learned from like Jesus or Muhammad or all the saints is that essentially they did their part, but obviously they didn't solve it. Um, and so then the realization to me comes, can I learn how to be okay with that too then? Yes, yes. And like you said, you know, like not to get too deep into things and I'm, you know, I'm Catholic and everybody believes in something else. You know, everybody believes in something, whatever they believe in, you know? Right. And you know, for me, that that spiritual element has helped me be more reflective, I guess, in my life. And I would you say, like, just kind of hearing you talk about, you know, even going back to the story where you said you would go to the kitchen and you would get some food and then, you know, your <laughs> girlfriend would be like, well, why didn't you bring me anything, you know? Like, right. just having that awareness, you know, and I, I think being a spiritual person and being in touch with yourself gives you that awareness i mean how many times you hear people or or relationship you know, where the relationship finally gets to the point where they have to go to couples therapy is that just so many things keep happening and the person isn't even aware to maybe make a small little shift you know mm -hmm. there's so many things that we uh don't know that we don't know <laughs> <laughs> yes you know, that's why we pay for coaching that's why yes we find somebody that seems like oh they've got it going they've got that area figured out and somehow um you know 
somehow, if I can just get close to them, some of that will rub off on me. And that's where, uh, you know, doing podcast interviews is really fantastic. That's where reading books is really fantastic. Watching TVs and movies is really fantastic. Any kind of education or I really, uh, learning is not a conscious thing. It's really unconscious. Um, you know, one of the gurus that I've studied said that environment is stronger than will, right? And in Christianity, this is also said in a different way is when two or more people gathered in my name, right? And, and essentially, both of these people for me are saying that when we choose to be in a certain environment, we'll be affected by it. Mm, you know, whether yes. or not we choose to be affected by it, we will because there's this I get around you at some point I'm going to start mimicking your body language or your intonation and so if I see someone that's successful in a certain area I don't certainly have to like know that I'm being taught let me just get around them and I will be taught because uh, there's so many unconscious things that people are doing that then translate to the world a certain type of um, habits or imprints are created to the people around them you know you get around certain people that are really jovial and happy and outgoing and generous, if you get around them, there's only two options that you're going to like, oh, there's only really two or three things that can happen. You become more like them, they become more like you, or you can't stay in that space because you just can't stand being in that kind of energy or that type of person. And so you leave. I mean, those are essentially the only three options that will happen. So if I want to learn something or change somehow in my life, is I just try to get around the people doing it. That's just one more reason why I created the podcasting community uh, on Facebook. As I said, I want to learn from the best minds and I want to bring them all into one place. And the people that aren't are, you know, kind of at my level or higher, they're all going to join. And I'm either going to bring people up or people that are already up are going to bring me up. Let me just create my own, in a sense, my own Sangha for podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want you to, to kind of speak to the audience right now in terms of, because just, you know, your story and who you are, you know, you, you are like the essence of like what beauty is, man. Like by, by sharing yourself and sharing your soul and, and being so transparent, uh, in this public space too, mm. for people listening, uh, you know, in the show, it's the positivity effect, you know, and I'm here, I'm trying to help people become more positive and, you know, maybe somebody that's listening, they just, they're in that zone now where they're trying to like start reading all these books and get all these sources and learn all these things to help them be a more positive person. And I don't want them to get the wrong impression, you know, that it's not about perfection. Mm. So what would you say to them about like, because perfection can become exhausting, you know, and if they're, if they're thinking about that, that, oh, I just want to be this most perfect, positive person, you know, what would you say to them, Luis? I'm, I'm thinking about how that's played in my life and and how different my partner and I are and how that complements, how, how we complement each other. So one of the things that I struggled with when it was launching this podcast is I felt that all my guests were so damn amazing, just so incredible. And I just <laughs> admired and loved their work. And I felt like I, I can't release it until I have the right music, until I have the right intro and the right outro and the right sound and I have the perfect website and I have the perfect offer so I can get emails and I know how to get lots of downloads so that then I can write back to my guests. And I just made this just huge thing out of releasing that podcast that there was no way that I could release it because somehow I had to make the mistakes necessary to get to that place. Uh, you know, and going back to Don Miguel Ruiz, a little story is Don Miguel was a, has been a speaker for a long time, and his son uh, 
Miguel Jr., Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., said, I want to be a speaker, Dad. And his dad goes, okay, great. That sounds wonderful. So at the <laughs> next talk, <laughs> Don Miguel Ruiz <laughs> says, you know, guys, I'm not really going to be talking very much today. Instead, my son's going to come up and he's going to give the whole lecture today. And oh, that was man. literally that was literally like his indoctrination, first practice of speaking. And he literally walked off the stage and kind of pushed his son up there and said, go for it. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, wow. and they have another story of, um, and, and I don't remember, I don't think I'm recalling this properly, but essentially it's, you want to learn how, his son's like, I want to learn how to swim. And the dad says, great. And he kind of pushes him into the water, you know, and he's right there to like take care of him, make sure he doesn't drown or anything. But he's like, you want to learn you've got to just jump in and you're probably going to experience the feeling of drowning with every single thing in life when you jump in. There's no way of avoiding that, uh, you know, and, and that's the way it's going to happen. But I will, you know, I talked to a chef once and I, I told him, I said, I want to go to chef school. You know, I'm, I'm working here as a busser and you guys look like you're having fun. I want to make amazing food like you do. And I want to be excellent at this whole cooking thing. Mm -hmm. And I was in high school at the time. And the chef said, why don't you just become a sous chef? And I said, no, 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 school. Like school will be so much faster, but also have the education. Then you guys will hire me at a higher fee. Uh, you guys will make me a head chef faster. You, you know, I'll have a whole, I'll be better. And you guys will actually employ me. Right. Uh, you know, and the job market isn't so good. And, and he says, honestly, if you came to me and you said you had sous chef experience, I'm going to hire you as a sous chef and move you up quickly. If you came to me and you told me you went to school, I'd have a hard, I'd have to think about it before I even made you a sous chef because at school they're selling you dreams. In the kitchen, we're showing you reality uh, and you're getting the experience. Uh, and, and so if you really want to do this thing, just start coming back here and we'll train you how to do some sous chef work. And, and then when a spot opens up, you know, you'll be the very first person because you've shown initiative and you've done it and you didn't just get some fancy education and then have some fancy dreams that aren't realistic. And he rolled up his shirt and he's like, you see all these burn marks? This is from cooking in a kitchen that is insanely busy. At a school, they're going to make you cook one dish. They're going to give you time. They're not going to give you annoying employees. They're not going to give you customers that are, you know, frustrated. They're not going to give you a manager and wages. Like, you're getting a dream at school, and and that's <laughs> that's kind of my thing for for this idea of perfection. Is I just I don't I don't think perfection exists, and and the people that seem extremely perfect, um, you know, I've read articles about Picasso, uh, feeling like his artwork wasn't that great. Picasso is one of the most world-renowned artists of, in history. I mean, he is the mark of a beginning of a time period in art and the end. There's no other artist that holds that title where they opened up art to a whole new level and then they're a bracket for an ending. So modernism yes. and postmodernism is Picasso. Um, there's no other artist that has that. And yet he felt like he wasn't doing very great as an artist. Van Gogh hated it. I mean, he just didn't really like himself and he didn't feel very good about himself as an artist, as a, as a person in general. But this is, this is honestly a truth of many people who we aspire to be like. They don't feel that great about it. And I think that's just kind of true about most human beings. Just jump in and do it. And if it excites you, just go ahead and do it. That's, that's the way I've been doing it. And it's really fantastic uh, because I also have the fortune of having a girlfriend who is a little bit more balanced out so I can go out and try to make the mistakes and she kind of fixes it as I'm going 
um, you know, or I add in little things as she goes. Um, but that has been really complimentary. But we would have never had a podcast if one person didn't say to me, Luis, I think you should try podcasting. It'll help you with your relationship business. So I got home, only listened to a few podcasts ever in my life. I didn't go home and listen to a podcast. I just knew, kind of knew what they were and maybe listened to a few here and there. I didn't really know how you record a podcast, really what the outline was, what the expectation was. I didn't know any of that. Instead, I just went, that sounds great. I'm going to go get this 19-time Oprah guest on my show. <laughs> and I crafted an email, wrote it to him, and he responded and said, sure, I'll come on your show. And then I was like, oh, crap. Like Now I have to Google how to record a show. <laughs> how long should it be? Like Then I had to Google and watch YouTube videos. I was like, oh, okay, there's this cool thing, Ecamm. It's 20 bucks. I'll do it. So I downloaded that thing and did the interview, but I didn't you know, know that maybe you could potentially get sponsors. I didn't know that there was a certain timeline that is preferable that you know, when you release on iTunes, there should be this amount of episodes. I just was like, yeah, cool. And then I went after another five-time Oprah guest, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. And then I went to you know, New York Times bestseller, and she said, yeah, I'll do it. I had no show, no website, and no idea of what the heck I was doing. And to this day, those are the most listened to interviews that I've ever had in the history of my podcasting. Those first five interviews are the most popular. Man, you are the uh, the metaphor of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you jumped right in, and that's I, I, that's that's the metaphor we all have to do. It's just anything, business, getting a better body, uh, being you know, growing a relationship, um, figuring out something that we're struggling with. You just have to jump in and, and be transparent, especially when you're struggling with something. I think transparency is so important. So, cause you never know like, Oh, I, who am I going to go to? Who's going to help me when there really you know, is probably yeah. somebody right there that'll help you. The The other day, this woman on Facebook posted, I'm putting on this giant, I'm putting on this really cool event. Uh, I'm getting, I'm lining up speakers for this marketing event. And she was ranting about how frustrating it was to get certain speakers. Um, and, and I wrote her and I said, hey, I'd like to speak at your event. I, that made me a little nervous. Like, I don't know her that well. Um, and she was like, wow, I was just thinking that you'd be a great speaker. And FYI, she's having some of the biggest names in the marketing world. Like right now, some of the largest names that you can think of in the marketing uh, world come awesome. and speak. And she's giving me like 45 minutes to come on stage and speak. Uh, and a very special event. Once she told me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked that like, she said yes. And so then like in my Facebook group, someone else posted about an event, you know, and someone that's been podcasting for like over 10 years is a speaker. So what did I do? I clicked on the link. I saw all the lineup of all the speakers and I said, I'm going to message all these speakers. So I went and messaged them uh, and asked them if they would come on my show. If I didn't know them, I was like, can I interview you? Because I mean, they, they've already got some kind of something that, you know, credentials that makes me want to meet them and interview them. And then the ones I did know, I, uh, two, three of them that I did know, I said, hey, by chance, do you know who organizes this event? Would you feel comfortable introducing me? I think I could help them make some sales for the event. And I think I could really bring value as a speaker. One of them responded and said, I actually personally know the person. He's my friend. Here's the email. Let him know I sent you. Yesterday, the guy called me. I was very nervous when I sent that email saying I should be a speaker at your event. Like I, I don't know the guy at all. Um, but I took a few screenshots, like here's a group with 600 members, here's my podcast and some of the download stats, here are some you know, guests that I've had on my show, and here's some testimonials. 
Um, but I've never done that before. I've never pitched myself to be a speaker. Um, but I, you know, now talking to you, I'm like, that sounds like a pretty good pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. All right, Louise, well, we're coming to the end and there's just one last question I want to ask you. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So if you were suddenly at the end of your life and you were reflecting on all that you have been through, all that you have created, mm. what kind of impact would you want to be remembered for? Mm. You know, Aristotle says that um, a good life is not measured by someone how someone lived it, but how they leave other people and the kind of impact that people leave because of them. Uh, and so hopefully it's not how people remember me, but hopefully it's more about the impact that I left that I've left on others. And hopefully somehow I've had my fingerprint on kind of the evolution of humans doing better for each other. And it's really irrelevant to me whether or not people say it's because of Luis. Like all that really matters is that more sunshine is coming through other people to other people uh, that are then paying it forward. Um, and my name is kind of irrelevant for that. Luis, thank you so much. I'm so inspired, uh, you know, by what you're providing to this world. And just yeah. this time I've had to sit, you know, sit and chat with you, I feel so calm. I feel so centered. And, you know, I really believe that, that, you know, we all have this energy that just kind of emanates from us. You know, it's like mm. that, that experience, you know, when you're at like a party or a social gathering and somebody walks in the room, mm. you know, right thank away. You. Yeah. You know, right away, like, the energy they're giving off and they can, they're going to affect the room, whether they're feeling positive and good or they're feeling negative, you know, and mm. they don't even have to open their mouth and you can, everybody in the room, it just changes the whole dynamic in the room. Mm. And even though we're not staring at each other, like, and it's just going through our, you know, into our headphones and through the mic, like I feel much more centered just having a conversation with you. So thank you so much for what you're doing, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm inspired by, everyone who's taken some time to listen because it really is truly an honor to share this and, and hopefully inspire and motivate others. Uh, and as well to sit with you, Thomas, it was really incredible. You ask great questions, uh, really thoughtful and, and provoking in the way that you responded and empathize and just your whole way of doing the show is fantastic. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, thank you, Luis. And, and the audience, they're well aware they can find everything that we mentioned uh, in today's episode by going to positivityeffect.com clicking on the podcast tab and finding you right in the archives or just putting your name right in the search bar. So thank you so much. You've been so generous. And, you know, I think we can all say that you are the positivity effect, Louise. So be well and we'll talk soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the positivity effect. I promise to keep sharing inspiring stories with the guests each and every Monday. I hope you feel inspired and uh, I hope that we start some self-reflection in you on topics like transparency and compassion and empathy. Please check out the website at PositivityEffect.com. Sign up for the newsletter and I'll send you some tips to get you thinking more positively. I would also love to hear from all of you, so please write to me because every Sunday I'm going to share an inspiring story from one of the listeners just like yourself. If you have a story where you exhibited compassion towards someone or you paid it forward, I'd love to hear about it. So thanks again. If you love the show, please head over to iTunes, leave a review. It means the world. Take care and talk to you next Monday.